Hello there and happy Tuesday. My name is Francis and I love music. Love it. And movies. Movies and music. And the music used in movies. And TV. I'm the friend who notices the music used in the media constantly to the point that my friends think of me immediately if and when they notice it themselves. So I'd like to welcome you to my podcast, Needle Drops That Will Change Your Life. What is a needle drop? I'm so glad you asked. Wikipedia defines a needle drop as the use of an existing recording rather than an original score in a film. I'd also add television or honestly any other form of media, video games, movie trailers, and more. For example, any of the songs I discuss on this very podcast. Why should you care about my thoughts on needle drops? Well, I'm a great person, obviously, but other than that, being a music supervisor is my dream job but I'm stuck in Texas where there aren't a ton of opportunities for me to get into that industry. So I'm dipping my toe into the world of podcasting to discuss the incredible work that music supervisors do. What exactly do they do? Well, again, let me tell you. According to the Berklee College of Music, music supervisors artfully select and license pre-existing songs and recordings for use in movies, television shows, and video games. Today we're picking up right where we left off with the Guardians of the Galaxy as they fight each other and a planet parent. Spoilers ahead for Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Again, it's on Disney+. Plus. It's several years old. Pause the podcast, go watch it. I'll be here waiting. Building off the success of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 1, Volume 2 picks up immediately after the first film. So while the movie was released in 2017, it still takes place in 2014 just to keep the Marvel MCU timeline confused. And again, building on the success of the first movie soundtrack, director James Gunn said he felt some pressure for this soundtrack to live up to the first soundtrack's legend. And I really think it does that. The music supervisor, still Dave Jordan, founder and CEO of Format Entertainment, Format Entertainment has grown into the largest collection of theatrical and television music supervisors in the world. Format's clients are some of the most recognizable names in entertainment, media, advertising, and consumer brands, including names such as Marvel Studios, Warner Consumer Products, and Spin Master. Format has been Marvel Studios' exclusive music department since 2000, having worked on all 32 films and all nine Disney Plus shows playing an integral role in the universe building since inception. In addition, Format has worked on campaigns for brands such as Mattel's iconic Barbie and Spin Master's global sensation Paw Patrol, as well as Netflix, ESPN, Amazon, T-Mobile, and many others. Dave Jordan began his career working for record labels and soon transitioned to become one of Hollywood's most sought-after theatrical music supervisors. Dave's success has ranked him as the top-grossing music supervisor in film history, and Dave serves on the Los Angeles Board of Governors for the Grammy Committee, contributing to advocacy, education, and human service programs to improve the cultural condition and quality of life for music and its makers. Dave Jordan received an NAACP Image Award for his work on Black Panther Wakanda Forever. Shannon Murphy is our music coordinator for this movie. Shannon was a music coordinator with Format Entertainment starting in 2015 with Ant-Man. Her other credits as a music coordinator include Vacation, Daddy's Home, Captain America Civil War, 
Doctor Strange, Thor Ragnarok, Avengers Infinity War, and Avengers Endgame. She was credited as as a co-music supervisor for WandaVision, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, Loki, and She-Hulk Attorney at Law. It looks like she may have left entertainment and has been freelancing in music supervision for about a year. So what do we know about the artist and the song outside of the needle drop? We will be discussing The Chain by Fleetwood Mac, British-American rock band. The song was released on their 1977 album, Rumors. It is the only song from the album with writing credits for all five members, Stevie Nicks, Lindsey Buckingham, Christine McVie, rest in peace, John McVie, and Mick Fleetwood. The chain was created from combinations of several previously rejected materials, including solo work by Lindsey Buckingham, Stevie Nicks, and Christine McVie. Due to the spliced nature of the record, the drums and guitar were the only instruments recorded in each other's company, and its sporadic composition and assembly from different rejected songs, The Chain is one of only a few Fleetwood Mac songs whose authorship is credited to everyone in the band. The album Rumors garnered widespread critical acclaim upon its release. Subsequent analysis of the chain has also led many to cite it as one of the most evocative expressions of the internal fracture among various band members at the time. Buckingham and Nix were ending their years-long relationship at the time, and at the same time, John and Christine McVie's marriage broke down, as did that of Fleetwood and his wife. In March 2022, the song was certified triple platinum by the British Phonographic Industry, BPI, for sales and streams over 1,800,000 units. So who are the characters in the movie? Again, throwing my support out to the Writers Guild and SAG-AFTRA. I'm hopeful that with the producers reaching out to the Writers Guild to reopen negotiations that The strikes will be uh, coming to an end soon, so everyone can get back to work as needed and um, resume normal life. I personally have been unemployed since February, so I know how tight most of those writers and actors' wallets are um, and can, can empathize and sympathize with the not working pain, although there's is for a much greater cause than mine. (laughs) So good luck, and I hope um, everything works out for everyone, mostly the writers and the actors, as as I've stated previously. So again, we have a still-likable Chris Pratt as Peter Quill slash Star-Lord. He is half-human. We learn the other half is celestial, and he is the leader of the Guardians. Again, he was abducted from Earth as a child in the 80s and was raised by a group of thieves and smugglers called the Ravagers. Zoe Saldana as Gamora is a member of the Guardians and an orphan from an alien world who seeks redemption for her past crimes. She was trained by Thanos to be his personal assassin. Dave Bautista is Drax the Destroyer and is also a member of the Guardians and a highly skilled warrior. Vin Diesel is the voice of Baby Groot, a tree-like humanoid, and Rocket's companion. You'll notice that he began growing at the end of the first film, and um, James Gunn had intended for him to be fully grown, but realized he needed to set um, this movie right after the first, um, which is why he kept him as Baby Groot. 
Bradley Cooper as Rocket is a genetically engineered raccoon-based bounty hunter, mercenary, and master of weapons and battle tactics. Michael Rooker is Yondu, a blue-skinned buccaneer of the Ravagers, who is a fatherly figure for Quill and a member of the Guardians. He is also the former deputy to Aisha. Karen Gillan is Nebula, another adopted daughter of Thanos, who was raised with Gamora as sisters and a former enemy of the Guardians. Palm Clementif is Mantis, a mantis-like creature and member of the Guardians with empathic powers who lives with Ego. Kurt Russell is Ego. He is an ancient celestial who we learn is Quill's father. The wonderful Elizabeth Debicki is Aisha, the golden high priestess and leader of the sovereign people. She leads the sovereigns. They're a genetically engineered race who are gold and perfect and wanting to be physically and mentally impeccable. Chris Sullivan plays Taserface, the leader of a mutinous group of ravagers. And Sean Gunn, a.k.a. our good friend Kirk, plays Kraglin, who is Yondu's second-in-command in the Ravagers. So what do we know about everyone to the point in their stories where the needle drop occurs? We're in luck this week. This needle drop occurs twice in this movie. The IMDb summary says the Guardians struggle to keep together as a team while dealing with their personal family issues, notably Star-Lord's encounter with his father, the ambitious celestial being Ego. Beat by beat. In 1980 in Missouri, Peter's mom Meredith is riding in a car, listening to tunes on the radio with her boyfriend, whom she calls her space man. They go behind a Dairy Queen and run into the woods where the man shows Meredith a small alien seedling, which he says will eventually be all over the place. Then he kisses Meredith. Back in 2014, the Guardians of the Galaxy, Peter Quill slash Star-Lord, Gamora, Drax, Rocket Raccoon, and Baby Groot are standing on a platform as they try to secure Anulax batteries from their latest employer, the Sovereigns. The Guardians have their weapons ready as they gear up to battle an interdimensional beast known as the Abelisk. It descends, leading the Guardians to spring into action, except for Groot, who is jamming out to Mr. Blue Sky on a speaker that Rocket set up, all while the others are trying to annihilate the Abelisk. The Guardians bring the batteries back to the Sovereigns and meet with their High Priestess, Aisha, in exchange for the batteries, the Sovereigns deliver Gamora's sister Nebula to the Guardians so that they can take her back to Xandar and collect a bounty for her. The Guardians leave. Rocket swipes some of the batteries for himself. And on their way to Xandar, the Guardians are suddenly met by a fleet of Sovereign drones, all going after them for the so- stolen batteries. The others figure it was Rocket that took them, and they're all pissed off. The drones start attacking as Rocket tries to steer the Milano toward a wormhole that will lead them to another planet. In the distance, another craft passes by and starts to destroy the Sovereign drones. A man appears to stand on the ship and wave to the Guardians. The Guardians escape the drones, but must crash land on a nearby planet. As the Guardians observe the wreckage of their ship, the other ship that saved them descends. Stepping out is Ego, who reveals himself to be Peter's father, and his assistant, Mantis. On another planet, Yondu and his team of Ravagers have fallen on hard times. 
He is staying in a nearby hotel where Howard the Duck is also in attendance. Among the Ravagers is Taserface, who thinks the Ravagers need a new leader, along with Kraglin, who has since also come to question Yondu's leadership. The Sovereigns arrive, and Aisha approaches Yondu with a proposition. Peter is still in shock to finally be meeting his father, and Ego explains that he sent Yondu to pick up Peter after his mother died. Peter still doesn't understand why Ego left Meredith in the first place, but Ego invites Peter and his friends to his planet, which Peter is hesitant about until Gamora convinces him to join his father. Peter, Gamora, and Drax go with Ego and Mantis, while Rocket and Groot stay behind to fix the Milano and keep an eye on Nebula. On Ego's ship, the three talk to Mantis, who shows off her powers by seeing into their minds. She lets everyone know that Peter has sexual feelings for Gamora, which Drax finds hysterical. The Ravagers come across the woods where the Guardians crash landed, and most of them end up walking into traps laid out by Rocket until Yondu shows up with his Yaka arrow controlled through his whistling. The Ravagers get Rocket and Groot, but when Taserface plans to get Peter, Yondu isn't quite as willing to turn him over. Nebula then breaks the crest on Yondu's head to knock him out. She aligns herself with the Ravagers as they take Rocket, Groot, and Yondu prisoner. Ego brings everyone to the planet that literally lives through him, as Ego is a celestial and his consciousness is the core of the planet. He explains to the three that he came up with a human form, to travel the galaxy and he came to earth and fell in love with Meredith, but could not see her so often because it would take up a lot of his energy. On the Ravager ship, Taserface and his goons start ejecting those that are still loyal to Yondu, except for Kraglin, who only watches in, in disbelief as his friends are killed. When Taserface boasts of his greatness and fearful name, Rocket mocks him. Nebula enters and suggests that the Ravagers turn in their captives to the Kree for bounties on their head. Kraglin brings her to a ship that she uses to get off the Ravager ship and go find Gamora. Peter continues to hold hostile feelings for Ego for leaving Meredith alone to die, and as Peter grows more emotional, his hands produce a powerful energy that is linked to Ego's own power. Ego shows him how to control and use it. And they have a cute little father-son ball-throwing scene. Mantis and Drax form a bond, though Drax continues to remind Mantis that he finds her hideous, but that it is a good thing because he thinks he is hideous as well and still managed to find someone else that loved him for who he is. Mantis says that she needs to tell Drax something important, but Gamora interrupts things and Mantis keeps quiet, instead just taking the two to their rooms. The Ravagers throw Rocket and Yondu into a cell while they take Groot for their own entertainment, 
Yondu mentions how he was a Kree battle slave before he was made a Ravager. And when Rocket asks about why Yondu kept Peter around, Yondu insists that it's because Peter was small enough to fit into spaces where the others couldn't. The two then resolve to work together to break out of there. Groot finally comes by and Yondu tells him to go get the prototype fin for his head. After bringing a bunch of wrong items, Yondu finally gets his fin and gets himself and Rocket out. Yondu sends the arrow through every mutinous ravager they come across as they plan their escape. Yondu, Groot, and Rocket board an escape ship with Kraglin, but not before Yondu sets the whole shit to blow up. Taserface gets hit with flames, but he manages to notify Aisha of Yondu's whereabouts before he goes down with the ship. The other four must go through 700 jumps to get to Ego's planet, which makes for some very fun effects. Back on Ego's planet, Peter tries to woo Gamora with his dance moves, but it doesn't quite work as she cannot bring herself to express her feelings and leaves. Outside, trying to contact Rocket, Gamora sees Nebula coming down on her ship, shooting at Gamora. As Nebula crash lands, she jumps out to start fighting Gamora. Nebula manages to overpower Gamora, but reveals that she never wanted to prove that she was better than her. She just wanted to have a real sister. Gamora's success as a warrior led to their father Thanos mutilating Nebula, leading to her resentment of Gamora. The two of them then form a sort of alliance as they come across a cavern filled with skeletons. Peter and Ego continue to bond. Ego tells Peter that as long as there is light in the planet, Peter will retain his powers as well as immortality. Mantis sees that Ego has Peter wrapped around his finger and she gets a little worried. She rushes to wake up Drax to warn him that Ego's true intentions are now clear. Ego explains to Peter that he wants to make what he calls the expansion. He went around the galaxy to thousands of other worlds to plant the seedlings to grow his power over the galaxy and cover the planets in an extension of himself. He impregnated women from those worlds and produced many children that Yondu delivered to him. But when they did not possess the same power of a celestial, Ego had them killed. And now their bones are what Gamora and Nebula have found. Rocket, Groot, Yondu, and Kraglin make it to their destination. Rocket starts to gloat that he wants to save Peter just to prove that he's better than him and can hang it over his head. But Yondu shuts Rocket up by stating how scared Rocket really is and he puts on the tough guy thing as a facade. They then set off to take on Ego. Ego continues to explain his big plan. Peter just so happens to hold the power that Ego is looking for. And Ego also reveals that he put the tumor that killed Meredith in her head so that he would not feel the pain of being apart from her. Peter snaps out of the, the spell trance he's under and begins to unload his guns on Ego in fury. In response, Ego takes Peter and controls him to start spreading the seedlings across the planet, causing mass destruction. To top it off, Ego crushes Peter's Walkman and Awesome Mix Volume 2 that his mother left him. Rocket, Groot, and Yondu meet up with Gamora, Drax, Nebula, and Mantis as they gear up to stop Ego. Unfortunately, they are also met by a fleet of sovereigns out to kill them as well. 
Peter fights Ego's human form, but his entire planet self fights back. Mantis is able to put Ego to sleep while the Guardians take care of the others. They fight against the Sovereigns and eventually destroy their whole fleet with a bunch of lasers. Meanwhile, Rocket builds a bomb using the batteries he stole, which Groot takes and runs off with, despite Rocket warning him not to push the wrong button or else they'll all die. Mantis gets knocked out by a fireball, breaking her hold on Ego and reawakening him. As the others try to get safe, Ego begins to consume them. Peter continues fighting his father using his celestial powers, and now freed, Groot finds Ego's brain in the planet core and sets the bomb to go off in five minutes. Drax carries Mantis to the ship while Gamora and Nebula make it back. Rocket gives his last spacesuit to Yondu, knowing that he cannot save him, both him and Peter. Gamora tries to go back, but Rocket stops her so he won't lose another friend. Ego pleads with Peter to stop the bomb or else Peter will be just a normal human. Peter doesn't see any, anything wrong with that and lets the bomb go off. And we get our second needle drop. What greater meaning can life possibly have to offer? I don't use my head to fly the arrow, boy. I use my heart. Squish my Walkman. Ego's human form disintegrates as the rest of the planet starts to explode. Yondu flies by and grabs Peter. As they leave the planet's atmosphere, Yondu puts the suit on Peter to save him. He tells Peter that while Ego was his father, he was never his daddy. Yondu then starts to freeze up in space, and Peter sadly watches him die. The Guardians prepare to give Yondu a proper Ravager funeral. Kraglin gives Peter a Zune to make up for his lost Walkman, which Yondu had been meaning to give him for a while. In return, Peter gives Kraglin Yondu's arrow, feeling that Yondu would have wanted him to have it. Nebula sets off to hunt Thanos down herself, but not before reconciling with Gamora. Mantis decides to stay with the Guardians, and as Yondu's body goes out into space, the Guardians see dozens of other Ravager ships arriving to pay their respects to Yondu. We have a couple, like, I think there were five total uh, end-slash-post-credits stingers, but I'm going to focus on the four that we know already impact the future of the MCU and potentially have other impacts coming soon. The first is Kraglin trying to practice with Yondu's arrow before it hits Drax and injures him. Not fatally, just, you know, painfully. Aisha is seen with a birthing pod containing a male being inside and she decides to name him Adam. 
Groot is now a teenager and Peter scolds him for leaving his roots lying around, but Groot just mocks him and plays video games. And at the very end, we see an elderly Stan Lee reprising a cameo from earlier in the movie. He is sitting with a bunch of watchers discussing his previous adventures, but they become bored with him and leave. So how does the song relate to the characters in the movie? James Gunn has said that the chain was most deeply embedded into the fibers of the film. Stevie Nicks' lyrics reference the breakup of her relationship with Lindsay Buckingham, a theme of many of Nicks and Buckingham's lyrics on the Rumors album. Intro and first chorus. Peter is suspicious of Ego for a while in the movie, and after breaking away from the spell Ego puts him under, Peter fights back against his father and realizes he never truly loved him. Ego only wanted Peter for his power. Verse 2 While fighting his father, Peter learned that if he extinguishes Ego's power, his light, Peter will no longer be immortal, which doesn't truly seem to bother him much. But it would be understandable if Peter damned the light and the dark for giving him his, this terrible power and then taking it away from himself in order to destroy his father. Other notable needle drops in the movie. James Gunn called Awesome Mix Volume 2 more diverse than the first one with some really incredibly famous songs and then some songs that people have never heard. Fox on the Run by The Sweet. This is the only song on the soundtrack not used on the film, but it was used in the trailers. Mr. Blue Sky by Electric Light Orchestra plays in the beginning of the movie as the Guardians fight off the obelisk and group dances around. Bring It On Home to Me by Sam Cooke plays as Peter and Gamora dance on a balcony and discuss the unspoken thing between the two of them. Brandy, You're a Fine Girl by Looking Glass plays as Ego and Peter's mom drive around Earth and later in Peter's room on Ego's planet where the father and son duo bond. Father and Son by Cat Stevens plays as the Guardians prepare Yondu for the Ravager's funeral. And we got an original song to help promote the release of the movie. 
In August 2017, Marvel released the music video of an original song, Guardians Inferno, to promote the home media release of the movie. The 1970s-style video was directed by David Yurovsky and features David Hasselhoff alongside James Gunn, Chris Pratt, Zoe Saldana, Dave Bautista, Palm Clementif, Karen Gillan, Michael Rooker, and Sean Gunn. Stan Lee and Guillermo Rodriguez also make cameo appearances on the video. Other media the song was used for and or covers of the song. The chain has attained particular fame in the UK, where the instrumental section has been used as the theme for the BBC and Channel 4's television coverage of Formula One racing. The chain was also used as the closing song for the first season episode, We Go Way Back, of the HBO series Our Flag Means Death. The song was recorded and covered by American rock band Tantric and released as the second single from their 2004 album, After We Go. Tantric's cover of the song was used as the theme song for the 2004 HBO documentary series Family Bonds. The song was also recorded by the Canadian rock band Three Days Grace and released from their EP Lost in You in March 2011. An American rock band Evanescence released a cover of the song in November 2019. How the Needle Drop Affected the Song In June 2015, James Gunn stated that all of the songs for Awesome Mix Volume 2 had been chosen and built into the script. One of the most exciting things for Gunn in selecting the songs for the album was knowing that he would be making bands that may have been forgotten suddenly a topic of conversation. The album debuted at number 8 on the Billboard 200 chart with 34,000 units in its first week, almost all of which came from traditional album sales. It later peaked at number 4, reaching 87,000 units, again, nearly all traditional album sales. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, Awesome Mix Volume 2, finished 2017 as the country's 8th highest selling album with 600,000 copies and has been certified gold by the Recording Industry Association of America. It was also the best-selling album on cassette tape in the U.S. in 2017, selling 19,000 copies. In 2018, Awesome Mix Volume 2 was nominated for Top Soundtrack at the Billboard Music Awards alongside another great Marvel soundtrack, Black Panther, the album. Both of them lost to Moana. The power of Lin-Manuel Miranda. That's all for today. Join me next time when I geek out over another needle drop. Leave a rating and review if you are so inclined and let me know what song you want to play as you face off against your evil dad who's also a planet. If you're listening on Spotify, be sure to answer the question and you can also visit my podcast page on Spotify, link in the show notes and leave me a voice message. Don't forget to follow the podcast on Instagram at needle drops podcast. And we also have a TikTok now. There's still no content there, but I would love it if you would give me a follow on TikTok at Needle Drops Podcast. This podcast is hosted, produced, and edited by me, Francis. Social media support also provided by me. Thank you for listening, and please don't forget to share needle drops that will change your life with someone in your life that you think would appreciate it. If you are feeling extra generous, I would absolutely love it if you would leave me a rating and review of the podcast on whichever platform you prefer. Word of mouth and reviews so 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 help new podcasters i'll see you next time um.